The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, we are a little over a week into free agency. Isn't this um, supposed to be regular season? This is supposed to be regular <laughs> season, but nothing has been regular about this year. This is very true. In fact, we will probably not see another real NHL game in 2020. That's the belief uh, laid out there by Batman. He wants to, from all I've read, apparently he wants to basically start the new season. Uh, 1-1. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like he almost wants the first game of the year to be that Winter Classic. Well, I but haven't heard any as, mention of a Winter Classic, which is interesting. Right, and as we talked about last week, if you're not if you're not going to be able to put fans in the seats, then there's no point in having a huge stadium get together. Like you said, it's probably better off going somewhere where there's a majestic backdrop or something. You know, something that that's eye candy, so to speak, because. The whole idea behind the Winter Classic is that you fill this eighty these eighty thousand seat stadiums, and then you've got a little rank on the center of the football field, so everybody looks like ants. But the people are having a great time. Well, if there's no people, what's the point? So, uh, if he wants to start there, that's fine. We've discussed the truncated seasons and, and, and truncated season and. How are you going to fit 82 games in and still manage to start the playoffs somewhere in May uh, or end of April? I mean, that that would be a tough thing. So, yeah, there's nothing regular about what's going on right now. <laughs> um, I I'm I don't know where we want to start. Do we want to start with the team that we're both a little annoyed at? Do we want to start with some of the teams that we like what's going on. Um, do we want to start something else entirely? Uh, well, free agency has been, a, a, I don't even know what to call it. I suppose before we can go into any kind of recap of what's going on, we'd have to discuss uh, any kind of signings. I mean, in the meantime, since last show, Petrangelo finally signed with the Golden Knights. Yes, he did. Um, I think that's what I think that's the salary and the tenure uh, that we were expecting. If and, not exactly the place. And it, it's funny how things move in a circular motion. He he's going to do well in Vegas. I mean, you, you got him out there. You got Shea Theater out there. They did in order to make him fit or to get him to fit. They had to move on from Nate Schmidt, who they traded to Vancouver. Yep, which I honestly thought was kind of weird because I think they would have had certainly the best top six in the West, um, but possibly in the top two, probably in the top two or three in the league had they kept Schmidt. But the thing is, without moving on from without moving on from Marc-Andre Fleury, which uh, you had to you had to get money somewhere. And while I like Nate Schmidt and the fact that since 2016, he has vastly improved his game. Yes, uh, they had to do something. And for Vancouver, I mean, like I said, the the, the, the defenseman 
carousel moves because Vancouver needed to fill a slot since they had lost Troy Stetcher to the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets a defenseman slot filled and, and everybody's still happy and Vegas gets their their big uh, pre-Christmas gift in, in landing Alex Petrangelo, who is going to improve their defense. I think that he is better than Nate Schmidt as much as Nate Schmidt's effort and drive and desire has grown by leaps and bounds. It, it, I still say that Petrangelo's Oh, better. I, I don't know that, I don't know that that's an actual or uh, dispute or question. Um, but I think that while Vegas got better, I, it, you absolutely can't ignore the fact that Vancouver also got better. I mean, it, they were an ordinary team in the regular season. Fun to watch, but an ordinary team. With their back end being a little bit better. Um, if other players on the team can just coalesce around a guy who's got a little bit more playoff experience than themselves, you might you might have a pretty dangerous regular season and postseason team. Uh, if whenever the trade deadline arrives, which at this point, uh, you know, with the January start probably means June 1st. Um, and isn't that a weird thing to say? Uh, yeah. Um, if they pick up the right piece or pieces, no reason to, no reason to believe that they won't be in the, in the conference final. No, I mean you look at the team that they put together, and like, and as I said, I don't know. Dallas dug deep and found something, and and were able to eliminate Vegas. My belief was that Vegas was going to pretty much walk through. I, I guess Tampa Bay might have been a challenge for them, but Dallas found some deeper level and were able to eliminate them. But they didn't. They didn't make any changes to their forwards in any way. Instead of Stone, Patches, Carl, William Carlson. The, the forwards haven't changed, so it's only on the back end and the fact that they now have Robin Leonard for you know the next five years. This team is ready. It, it is a, going to be a contender for the next few seasons. It's not like Easily. this is a one. They're not they're not playing the one and done, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, a window's closing this and that. They they've got decent, decent youth. Uh, They've got a number of forwards. The oldest player on the team, there's multiple 33 year olds. But that's I mean, that's not that old for hockey. I mean, it's it's above average, but it's not it's not uh, adding 40 year olds to hit your uh, quota in that category. And the thing is, your 33-year-olds are Ryan Reeves. Yep. Uh, well, Ryan's still putting it out there and still messing Hasn't with slowed down. <laughs> Nick Holden, who isn't going to play a lot of minutes, yep. most likely. And your other 33-year-old is Alec Martinez, who's on the last year of, uh, of a deal. He's going to get $4 million. And there's still something there. I don't know. I'm, I'm certain that it's not the same Alec Martinez that won two Stanley cups in 12 and 14, but there's still something there. He's, he's going to be a a second or third pairing defenseman. 
your oldest player is Marc Andre Fleury at 35. And yeah. then you got a boatload of mid to late 20 year olds. It, it, it's a team that's designed for the next few years. And when they first started, McPhee said, I always talked about a five year plan. And that immediately went out the window when you go to the Stanley Cup final in your first year of existence. <laughs> I Absolutely. Think, I think any five year plan suddenly got truncated. Very quickly. <laughs> yeah. It, in fact, I think it was probably fed into the office shredder and uh, they started putting the pieces together probably sometime around when they closed out the uh, first round that year. Because, no, I, I don't you're not going to convince me that even 20 games into their inaugural season, they were convinced they were going to the Stanley Cup finals. Were they playing well? Sure they were. But a lot of teams play well in the first 10 to 20 games of the NHL season. Uh, I mean, Buffalo the last two or three years. Minnesota uh, has had a couple of years where they're leading the league in, or uh, particularly Buffalo, leading the league November 1st, November 25th. Where are they? Uh, Out of the playoffs. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you go from number one in the Atlantic Division, or at least number one in the in the East, yep. uh, uh, to floundering. And and I don't get it. If you have the talent to get there, you I don't. Mean, that's I'm, that's the that's the big lie of the early leader in uh, in the in the NHL. That what you do in the first quarter of the season is indicative of who you are. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, a lot of teams, especially teams who have had big moves, whether it's personnel moves, coaching moves, or lots of injuries that are just coming back or happened in that last week of training camp, they look nothing like their real core roster, their ideal healthy roster. Two, most mm-hmm. bottom feeding teams, most front runners for the first month are very, very, very thin teams. And quite frankly, it takes a lot less to get to peak when you're aggressively mediocre than it does when you're a really good team uh, that's had uh, that's had some shakeups or some changes or just has stupid, bad puck luck for a couple of weeks at the, at the beginning of the year, getting okay. to the top, getting to the top of the mountain is a whole lot harder than it is to get a hundred feet off the ground and great teams. When they're not playing well, they get inside their own head way more than bad teams who aren't playing well. And you can see the difference on the ice. It, it it's just the way it works. Um, and lastly, I think, and sort of a follow on to that part is no bad team thinks that they're actually bad unless they're legitimately awful, like what shouldn't be in the league awful. And so maintaining confidence or rebuilding it after a, after a loss, when quite frankly, you don't understand that you're not that good. 
whole lot easier than being a good team and having four bad games in a row where you, you know, come out two and two, um, and then stuff starts going wrong again in game five. It's just the way it works. Part of that difference between really great at something and enough to be in the league uh, is knowing who you are, where your skill set lands on the ladder, and knowing how to push yourself to your current full potential. Okay. I mean, we look at some of the guys who get to the all-star game and have the fastest uh, ice uh, fastest up ice times in what's essentially a practice. Are those the same guys who are, are those always the same guys who were the fastest in traffic with the puck game situation against a heated rival? Not always. McDavid, yeah. McDavid is ridiculous, but okay. um, who was the guy who uh, Haglin? He played for the Rangers and a couple other teams. He oh, was I, super fast. With, yeah, he's been with the Canadians, Rangers, Capitals. He was super fast at the All-Star game. He wasn't slow during regular season games, but did you ever sit did you ever look at him during a regular game against say the Islanders or the Devils or the Flyers and say Wow, he's got to be the fastest guy in the league. No. No. It's even, I mean, even, you know, people talk about Zdeno Chara's 108 mile an hour slap shot. I'm willing to bet you that the number of times his slap shot crossed 103 miles an hour during gameplay in the last 15 years is probably under 10. And I agree. And the same thing can be said of, of, of Shea Weber. I mean, he was, what, 108.3, whereas Char was 108.8. But in-game, I don't think they hit those speeds. They don't have it, – it, it's not the relaxed setting that an all-star game is. It's not you – know, they don't get the three-step wind-up uh, or the three-skate wind-up into the yeah. shot. You know, it, that being said, though, if you watch when Shea Weber takes a shot, players tend to get out of the way. I mean, there are oh, absolutely. some crazies that will block any to, shot, attempt to block it or make it look like they're trying. He, it, it's still it's still enough that okay, this guy's got that potential power. I don't know if I want to get in the way of it or suffer a broken something. But yeah, the. Ideally, they don't use I, I don't know if it's partly to do with, like I said, they don't have that the setting that they're in during an all-star game. There's also the I think somewhere in the back of their heads, they don't want to do that because they don't want to potentially injure somebody. I mean, God forbid somebody took a puck that moving that fast uh, in the place unprotected. Yeah. Yeah. Head area or other place or. And there's also the accuracy question. I mean, Shara can get it on net at 108 miles an hour. Can he pick a corner at 108 miles an hour? Can he? Uh, can he get? Uh, can he do a? Um, can he go five hole at 108 miles an hour? Probably no. Yeah, I think you you sacrifice 
I know when I played, yeah, you sacrifice accuracy the harder you try and hit it because now you're focusing all your energy on just gripping it and ripping it as opposed to I need to pick it over his left shoulder because that's my best opportunity to score. But then again, if you listen to commentators and everything else, they're, they're shooting it to a location and then hoping that there's either a, a juicy rebound or somebody's going to tip it in. Right. And quite frankly, I think that the tipping success on pucks over 100 miles an hour is probably <laughs> significantly lower than the 80 or 90 miles an hour uh, that we see from a lot of the superstars who somehow get dragooned into the hardest shot competition. Yes. And and just going back to you got Petrangelo, yeah. Nate Schmidt, they traded him off. Do you realize what Vancouver had to give up to get him? Uh, go for it. I can't remember the details right now. A third round pick in 2022. Which I think is possibly <laughs> the biggest steal. I don't know. Usually people get arrested for crimes like that. <laughs> no, in this case, it will probably get uh, the G, uh, the Vancouver GM, like an extra year of his an extra year contract renewal. I mean, a third round pick in 2022. You don't even have to worry about who they're going to get next year. In two years out before you would think about it. Yes. And oh, by the way, we got Nate Schmidt. Yes. Uh, and he's going to play for us for those two years. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. And, and if play he for us, us at a reasonable salary. <laughs> is it? Uh, that's the only thing I question. Is is six million actually okay? It's a shade under, like fifty thousand dollars. I am okay with that, given what we've seen from him. Yeah, given the the way he's improved his game, like I said, since two thousand sixteen when he was with, I believe, it was the Capitals or Penguins somewhere in there. The improvements that he's made in his game, uh, he's he's become a reliable top pairing, and in 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 Vegas he had to be a top pairing. Yes, and that's one of the things that we saw from a lot of the Vegas players in that inaugural season. They rose to the challenge, um, and most people didn't expect them to be able to do so. Uh, um. You look at that roster, and a lot of the holdovers managed to not only rise uh, in that first season, they've done it, they did it in that second season as well. Absolutely. I just, I'm, I'm, and that, I don't want to segue to the Bruins, but it is a good segue because the Bruins lose Krug, as we know, (sighs) Um, have done a whole lot of meh since then they have oh, but they've done it really really aggressively well passive aggressively but you stop and you think okay they weren't in on petrangelo and my understanding is that sweeney's reasoning uh read here the word excuse for not getting him is that he is a right hand a right shot defenseman and they've got plenty of those Okay, this is a guy, as we discussed last week, this is a guy who is a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. But, but we're not going to get him because he plays on the right side. <laughs> uh, so you uh, didn't get him. You didn't get TJ Brody. 
not that I I mean TJ Brody is the one from Calgary and I'm not yes in no way to be confused with Tyson Barry the <clears throat> defenseman from Colorado. Uh, also Brody didn't get Oliver Ekman Larson. Didn't get OEL because well I don't know couldn't pull the trigger sunspots. didn't want to pull the trigger sunspots uh, bad cell connection I don't know radon gas reason, yeah didn't acquire OEL. And then Nate Schmidt goes for a third round pick in 2022. So you didn't get him either. What is going on in Don Sweeney's head? He did Literally give. Literally don't know. Um, and I'll, we have a mailbag, quest, a mailbag question on uh, that, on the Bruins signing. Uh, got a message. Uh, I'm assuming you're not thrilled with the uh, Grizz re-up. Um, my answer is kind of complex. Yeah. Based on past performance, it's a little bit of a reach based on what the team looks like right now, the last 20 games that we saw from him and what we can genuinely expect him to be playing in the 20 to 22 minutes a night range going forward. Mm hmm. It's about right because it's about what I think that uh, Brandon Carlo should have gotten when he signed his contract and Sweeney managed to drag that into into October two years ago. Um, so based purely on his offense, no, you there's literally no way to justify it. I won't even try um, right. based on your need based on. The and that need is huge because they literally have two other two prospects in camp in the pro, in the system that one of whom I guess we sort of believe in in Erhovac and Einan. Um, they have everybody's uh, favorite ninth defenseman who somehow wanders onto the ice, um, and the market really isn't good. There's not much out there. Uh, but the most important thing it did after retaining Grizzlick, it avoided arbitration. Yes. Arbitration is the and abattoir that relate that player team relationships die in. I, I am. That is actually where I start is that he, it, by doing this, you avoided arbitration. My first thought was, my God, they just gave this man a more than double his current salary rate. Yes. He went from 1.4 to 3.7, slightly, just slightly under. Yep. Um, no, I love him. I, I, we talk about him. I love, like him, love his game. But it's almost like Sweeney was forced into a corner, had to find some way out of it, and his only answer to the problem was to bring back Matt Grizzlick. And now Grizzy knows and his agent knows that <clears throat> Sweeney's uh, screwed and we've got him over the desk. And no, no, no. Let's see, you're you're missing you're missing a point. 
Sweeney walked into this corner, eyes wide open, at full speed. He brought it upon he himself. He created this it. problem. And the problem extends further. It's not just the fact that he is the only useful left defenseman signed to the team. He's going to be, he's passively waiting on Zdeno Chara. Chara is one of the best defensemen the league has ever seen. He is going to the Hall of Fame. His jersey number will be in the Raptors. There is no question on either topic. Period. End of discussion. Don't even bring it up to me. That said, if you're trying to fix the team and push it in the right direction, you need to say to his agent or say to him, dude, we love you. We appreciate everything you've done for us. But in order for the team to move forward, I need to make moves today. If you want to sign, we I'll give you a week to think it over. Uh, if not, and there's still space, when, when I get through making moves, we'll come back. But I can only guarantee you a spot for a week. He's going to say this to Chara. It, it needs to be said. It should be said. Will but it actually be said? The answer is no. Sweeney's response to missing out on Krug, left defenseman, was to turn around and give Jakob Zaboro a two-year one-way deal. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I I can't even with that one because he's a left defenseman. Legitimately, you know, if you and this goes back to that marvelous draft class where they basically sort of kind of hit on two of their top four picks and otherwise um, uh, had Congress with a canine. Ouch. Uh, Because let's, let's be honest. That was a, was not a great draft for the Bruins. This one that just happened two weeks ago? Uh, the one that happened two weeks ago was just weird. I don't get what they were thinking. Wait, so the, which one was uh, the not 2015 a, draft? was not a great one. I don't think the 2015 draft was a great draft. I think they left opportunities on the board. They I drafted. they've had a great draft in quite a number of years, actually. <laughs> Jacob Zaboral was a pick that they got. Uh, that was their first pick that year. It was the, they picked it up for Martin Jones, or they got it uh, for Martin jo- with Martin Jones and Colin that, Miller for that was the Martin Jones pick. Okay, for um, Lucic. Mm-hmm. Jacob Zaboral has done not very much. We'll call it not very much. You are so nice today. What is the deal? He is not the worst pick in the first round for them. Jake DeBrusque, zero issues with this pick. Could you probably have picked him uh, at 20 or 22? Yeah, you probably could have. Um, But given that he was a solid, solid pick, he's been more productive in the same number of regular season games in his tenure as uh, Tyler Sagan was in the same number of games. Sure, I can live with it. And then you get to pick 15. 
pick 15 be nice. is the nice pick that they got for trading Dougie Hamilton away. Mm-hmm. Who, Dougie Hamilton, who, by the way, has the most goals by a defenseman since the time he was traded. In return, you get. Yes, but did you want to keep his mom around? Okay, then. Poor Moving on. Beaker. Um, <laughs> Moving in on. return, you get uh, the picks for Bergeron 2.0, a.k.a. Jacob Warsbacher Carlson. Um, who lasted what eight, ten NHL games? Couldn't Did he play any NHL games. <laughs> couldn't hack a, uh, a, a a couldn't hack the school he attended, and I will say attended and not studied at. Uh, he actually played twenty nine uh, NHL games and put up a total of nine points uh, during that time. Uh, you get. A second round pick that was used to grab Jeremy Lozon, which I have no problem with Jeremy Lozon. Best, probably, well, the second best defenseman in the draft uh, for them, maybe. Um, after Zaboro? After Carlo. <laughs> um, that was a softball. <laughs> and you get Zach Senish. You get the pick that's used for Zach Senishin. Who they're still actively negotiating with. Who they're still actively negotiating with, who has been lapped on the depth chart by, I think there are goaltenders who are competing for the right wing slot, uh, neck and neck with Zach Senishin. Wow. Okay. First of all, the team has a boatload of right, a boatload of right wings. (laughs) Zach Senishin, who in the five years since he was drafted has made it into Six NHL games and scored three points. Hey, half point per game player. That's nothing to be sneezed at. Ooh. So had we had they usefully done something with the 13th and 15th picks, they could probably have picked up a Tyler Toffoli or Josh Anderson or yeah, but they're somebody. Both- they're both playing in Montreal now. Isn't that weird? Who's I mean, gonna be, who's going to be the better team next season? Hmm. That is an open question. By the by, the way, the Bruins have fourteen million dollars on long term IR. Just throwing that out there. Um, so they draft the 2015 draft. They also draft Brandon Carlo, 37th overall. No yay. problems with that. He may actually be their best pick in this draft. Should be should be should be a top pairing defenseman, but okay. <laughs> um, JFK, who we've already discussed, Jeremy yeah. Lozon at fifty-two, a pick I'm, that I really don't have an issue with. I'm okay with Jeremy Lozon. Dan Vladar, um, I think we're going to give an incomplete on. I'm okay with Vladar. I think that what they did to him in that playoff game was absolutely atrocious, and but somebody should be. Somebody that's, an should on be. Ice, that's an on-ice or ice-level issue versus an office issue. Yes, But agreed. that was not yeah, a great yeah. game. Um, uh, like I said. Je- Jesse Gabriel, sixth round. We haven't even seen him yet. Uh, I, I don't even he, remember if he's part of the system anymore. Say, is he still with the team because he's not listed anywhere on – Cap uh, as being he's part in of their... the Slovak Extra Liga at the moment. Um, 
I don't know, but it's been a couple of years since he was, or it's been a, he was part of the system in 1819. Um, but he was in the ECHL. The last game he played for Providence was in the 1718 season and only 21 games there. I'm guessing he's not probably gone Bruin system anymore. Yeah. And Jack Becker or Cameron Hughes and Jack Becker. Jack Becker's still at Michigan. Um, Which, you know, okay, seventh rounder, you're not expecting them to jump today. And to be honest, the way he's used at Michigan, he's he's third pairing and third pairing defenseman. He's a he's a friggin' forward. He's third line. He's a third line forward. We're not talking. Even if you brought him to the team, he's not somebody that you're expecting 20, 25 goals a season from. You'd like no. to have it. You'd like to have it, but that's not his game. Oh no! I mean, he's he's had though he's just finished three years at Michigan, um, eight goals last season in thirty two games, which is solid. Um, wow, for him, that is solid. Um, I don't know. At this point, we don't know what he's going to look like as an NHL player. Do you really think they couldn't have gotten? at least one better player who would actually have contributed um, to their top six or their top four with those two first round draft picks from 2015. Sure. Uh, They they didn't, but I mean, I just don't know where Sweeney's head's been at since ever, ever. I, I literally don't understand the bulk of his moves since he, since he took over still has a job though. Um, I, I suspect that there's a nearly blockade on this one. Oh. The two of them did play together. Yeah. Uh, I kind of have the sneaking suspicion that at some point nearly said, you know, if you want to get rid of him, uh, you're going to have to get rid of me. Um, or words to that effect. And that's not, that's not a threat you really ever want to make unless you know something or can prove something or have some sort of uh, questionable evidence about something. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Don Sweeney was a really, really well-regarded player. Yes. Cam Neely, his number got hoisted. Yes. There will be backlash against the team to some extent if the two of them are removed at once. Regardless of how bad the team gets and how bad the draft picks or signings are, there will be some sort of backlash. The question is, how much of that are the Jacobs family willing to put up with? If you do it while the team is a contender, which they are right now, at least on paper, um, it's going to be bigger than if you do it when the team bottoms out and while I be, I'm not sure I could get, I couldn't say with a straight face that I think that Sweeney's moves have been brilliant. Um, they aren't completely awful and the team like, I don't see, I don't see the team hitting bottom unless he says, Okay, we're going for a rebuild, and then just trades everybody. 
or lets everyone walk. He's not, I, I think that like the head coach, he's average. Okay. He is responsible for the fact that John Michael Lyles was a member of the Bruins. Just throwing that out there. Please don't remind me. <laughs> like, seriously, please don't remind me. Okay. Why? I, because John Michael Lyles, by the time he was playing <laughs> in Boston, mm-hmm. um, I think I like John Moore about as well. And yeah, no, no. Dennis Weidman. I would take Dennis Weidman at the last level we saw him play in Boston ahead of John Michael Lyles. Oh, I forgot about this one. He's responsible for Brian Jonta being a Bruin, too. <laughs> Brian Jonta was a total and complete non-factor. I know. Like, Brian Gianta was legitimately brought in to jolly along the young players and say, look, this, this guy who's old enough to be your dad is now your competition for a roster spot. If you can't do better than this, sorry. Uh, is his best? Uh, oh, wow. He's responsible for Matt Irwin, too. All right. I'm going to stop now. All right. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I think his best draft pick is clearly David Pasternak. His best signing? His best UFA signing? Um who wasn't already a part of the team. Um, Come on. This shouldn't be that difficult. It's probably Halak. There you go. I knew you'd get there. Um, it, it No, there is no um. You can stop. You're sure it wasn't Paul Postma? I'm fairly certain it was not Paul Postma or Brett Ritchie or... <laughs> How about... Uh, how about uh, Greg McKegg? Oh, that's a new one. Yeah, he's he just brought he's he's coming to the team from uh, where Philly or something like that. Uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was definitely the seventeen encore act known as Lee Stepniak. Mm, ouch. No, it, it, pretty sure it was Halak. So I, I, I guess in some odd way, I never got to. So my answer to the mailbag question because I want to bring this around so we can move to my answer sure. to the mailbag question is I am not upset that they re-upped Grizzly. Okay. I guess I'm upset with the fact that it cost them more than it should have because of Sweeney's lack of uh, urgency on signing or bringing back Tory Krug. Um, so I wasn't not, aware not, they had any urgency on bringing back Tory Krug. It's not. It's not. I'm pretty certain Krug and his agent were unaware they had any urgency in bringing back Tory Krug. Yeah, you're right. I didn't feel the urgency either, uh, which I don't understand, but nor will I ever. So no, it, it's not that I'm upset with. I'm not upset at the re-upping of Grizzly. I'm just upset at the fact that. It was almost like they were forced to do it and had to pay a premium to get it done. Because the question, the question, the way it's worded doesn't specify what 
are you upset about? It's just, I suppose you're upset about the Grizzly re, re-signing or however it was rated. It didn't. So, yeah, I'm not upset that they got him. I really like Matt Grizzly. I am upset that Tory that 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 Don Sweeney just completely botched this whole thing and was not able to bring back a replacement for or Tory Krug himself. Tory Krug himself was really the mo- the minimum expectations for this offseason. Mm-hmm. It really should have been. Uh, we understand. understand. I we understand was. the flat cap. We understand that the cap may even theoretically go down uh, after next season. But you can't get worse in an area that you have the capability to maintain or improve in. You just can't. Um, It's not how being a contender works. I read somewhere that a suggestion was made that Don Sweeney should – send an offer sheet to Vince Dunn of St. Louis. Fascinating idea. It would cost them them a second round pick based on the money that it would take to sign him in the 3 million range. So it would only be a second round pick, but the Bruins, well, considering they don't know how to use their picks anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I I don't, maybe it's not a bad idea to lose a second round pick. (laughs) If you can accomplish that for a second round for giving up a second round pick, uh, I'm okay with that. If you can get him to sign it and not have St. Louis match, go for it. St. Louis is I think St. Louis is going to match, though. I mean, he's a 23 year old left side defenseman. Uh, Well, here's the thing. St. Louis would have to make moves in order to match. As of right now, they're actually over the cap with 21 players signed. And Vince Dunn, I don't believe, is one of those players. Uh, they're at over $82 million. Um, They have... I'm okay with bringing in Vince Dunn. I like him. Uh, you know, that might actually be the most sensible move that they could make. <laughs> Although, if you really... I mean... Uh, yeah, but he's again, like I said, he's 23 and you 23 know. makes him a perfect complement to the the youth uh, on that back end. And he's got playoff and Stanley Cup winning experience. Go for it. I'm I, I would even be OK with them making an actual, you know, hockey trade for him okay. uh, so. if they can move one or two prospects to grab him. So thinking outside the box, the box is an illusion, but go ahead. Thinking outside the, the illusion. Is that something that Don Sweeney is really known for? Nobody is known for making offer sheet, uh, for getting offer sheets signed. Hey, Mark Bergeron, try. No, no. (laughs) Get me, name me a general manager who since 2000 has had two players sign offer sheets. Two can't do it. I know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it can't be. I'm just saying. Has this even occurred? I don't even know that something like this would have occurred to Sweeney unless he read it in a news story. He doesn't strike me as the type that would think that way. No. 
So, um, just for the giggles, assume you're the St. Louis Blues. Yes. And you absolutely know that you're you've got a lot of work to do, but you need to get you need to either get uh, done signed or uh, or improve the team some way. Dunn has zero dollars on his on his uh, or has zero time left on his contract. Completely expired. Yes. He's an RFA. Um, what would you or would you consider going straight trade for a forward that has like a year left on his uh, contract? A, a forward with a, a, year a left. minor league forward that has a year left. A Basically league. a prospect trading youth for youth. A forward. Yeah. I'm, I mean, forwards are, it depends. Which one are we get? Which one were you thinking? Um, I think that this might count as a low ball, but we'll call it, we'll try it. We'll start here. Mm-hmm. Um, Played uh, right wing, played 50 games in Providence last year, is first in North America, wound up with 31 points, uh, plus 10, 22 penalty minutes, um, 25 years old, 185 pounds, 5'11", Robert Lantosi. Is he even... Oh, he's, he's signed. Robert Lantosi. He's uh, he is in Europe this year. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, he's on loan. Okay. Uh, but he's at five points in four games uh, in the Slovak Extraliga. Thirty-one points in fifty games. Yeah, not Somebody bad for your first North American season. I mean, yeah, I I would absolutely. I, if that's a start, I, I, yeah, I would I would do it for Vince Dunn. Um, okay. <laughs> assuming, let's assume that that one's not going to work. Okay. Um, for some reason you have a fetish for fins, which isn't necessarily a bad thing at this point, And you want a little bit of size. How about the six foot five, 194 pound, 22 year old, uh, fifth round pick Yuna Kapanen. A little less offense last year, a little less points total, but um, good jump from his previous season. Um, 2018-19, just two points in 45 games uh, in the AHL. Last year, in 43 games, had 18 points, including nine goals. Yeah, but he's a left wing. The one thing, that, if, if, it, if it was a right wing, I'd, uh, I'd get a little antsy, but, I mean, he's a left I'm okay with that too. I mean, if you want to theoretically overpay, and I think it's a very theoretical situation. Yeah. Maybe you send Senishin. You do one RFA that probably isn't a fit for one guy you probably can't sign anyways, uh, and it's a solid hockey trade. Because let's face it, 
no matter what happens here, fan, given how long it's taken him to get here, to get to the NHL and stick, Sanishin is never going to be a fan favorite. He's probably going to get booed a lot. Um, he's going to have to come out and score 40 goals in 40 games three years in a row uh, in order to win fans over. It's weird. It's almost like it's almost like Zach Senishin is uh, like Sweeney's wubby or wubby. something. He won't, <laughs> yeah. He he refuses to give up on the kid, and and that's admirable. Okay, don't give up on him. But I mean, you also have a team, and he's played a whopping six games. And as much as I liked seeing him, and I thought that. Uh, I wasn't sure that he was the steal of the draft that they tried to say he was at 15. I don't think he was any kind of steal. Uh, But I thought that there was more to it than six games in five years, five years. Yeah. I thought that there was more there and I'm not seeing it. uh, Even in Providence, uh, 66 games, 24 points, 26 points. I mean, last time that he had a season where he was, that close to points per game, he was at Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> so uh, he just he, he hasn't translated to AHL, NHL, uh, either lack of effort or just lack of skill. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I don't know it. if I don't know if he gets it done either. There's got to be a combination of I mean, Vince Dunwood. Yeah, it. it He's a decent young defenseman. He's got some offensive upside. Uh, I I wouldn't have a problem bringing him in. Uh, he's certainly – I'm not going to be playing him on top pairing. But he's a left-side defenseman that's going to give you more than Jakob Zaboro. So I don't have any issues with getting him here. I I I did I liked when I saw the suggestion. I, I thought that was very much thinking outside of the parameters. Like the way I did that, no box anymore. I, I'm I'm very impressed. Very. I wouldn't very, mind seeing Vince Dunn in a Bruins. You should be. But is it going to happen? I'm going to go with no. I would be shocked. <laughs> uh, like the, the Bruins under Sweeney, under under uh, Chiapet before him, they just don't make big trades. No, I mean, there's not been a superstar who's landed here somewhere near the peak of their career uh, via trade. Yager was well after the peak of his career. Uh, Jerome McGinley was almost landed, almost near hit the peak of his career. Um, beyond that, no, not even close. Nobody. No, I don't. And like I said, I don't see it happening. It, it, it was a nice thought. I just don't see it happening. Uh, where okay, else? man. Where go else do it. we go? We were talking about the Kings before the show. Um, yes, we were. The Kings have actually picked a direction. It's not one that the fans are going to like next year, uh, but they at least <laughs> picked a direction and have moved aggressively towards it. 
Well, I um, think I think Rob Blake recognizes what he does and what he doesn't have as far as the team is concerned. Correct. I, I believe he recognizes that he has a lot of pieces, but as far as a gelled team that's going to be going into the playoffs, deep or otherwise, that's not where he's at. And he, rec- I believe, honestly, he recognizes this. You draft, he drafted well, got Quinton Byfield, but their moves in free agency have been not much. Yeah, the, I was trying to think of a good way to put it, and they're keeping pace with Don Sweeney. But they're yes, but they're in different situations. So while Rob Blake signing. Uh, Nick Grosnick or Troy Grosnick, whatever his name is, goaltender, and signing Mark Alt, defenseman, and and a couple of other players that I don't even think I'd heard of prior to the fact that they were signed. Yep. It's to be expected from a team that really is in a rebuild mode and they're trying to put together something. They need to get players on the ice. They need to be competitive. But they reckon, but like I said, Rob recognizes that he this is not the year that he's going to be making a deep run into the playoffs. No, this isn't the year, and neither is next year. The Bruins, Your, however, are supposed to be contenders. Thank you. Supposed to be. So the Kings. They haven't, so, no, go no. ahead. So the Bruins we, have not made a move like a contender in two full seasons. They flat out haven't. The Kings, go ahead. No, I was just thinking the Kings have, like I said, they have pieces. You've got um, Cal Peterson and Nett. Really like Cal Peterson. Going to end up backing backing up uh, Jonathan Quick again, but really like Cal Peterson. Oh, really good goaltender. But defensively, eh, you know, you got Drew Doughty, you got they lost Forbort over the last couple of years. They've lost some really strong defensemen. Braden McNabb went to the Vegas Golden Knights. Jake Muzzin is uh, still in Toronto, maybe. I believe Derek, so. Derek Forbort has been has moved on. They've lost, uh, Alec Martinez is with Vegas. Correct. It's scary. Two former Kings are in Vegas. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, it, yeah, I I don't expect them. They still have Anze Kopitar. You still got Dustin Brown. You've got an aging forward core or some really young guys like Alex Ayafalo and um, You get prospects like Akil Thomas. Yes, and I like Akil Thomas. I'm pretty sure you do, too. Maybe. Just a little bit. they're going to do what I expect them to do. And like legitimately the 2022 season is the year that people should begin to have expectations of them moving back up. I don't expect next year for them to do much. I mean, Um, ideally Byfield and Thomas and Madden uh, don't they they get to development camp or main camp whenever that happens? 
assuming they're not playing overseas, mm-hmm. they get in touch with the trainers and get an understanding of what's expected from them. And then they go home because it's not going to be pretty in the locker rooms the next year, next year, people are going to be very senior players are going to be depressed about not winning and not they're They're just probably not going to be making their best efforts on a regular, on a regular basis. And until some of that attitude is, mm, moved out or ages out of the system uh, with contracts expiring. Um, I don't, I wouldn't want to put uh, young players into that mess. Was the Kings biggest move acquiring Olimata then? Yes. And okay. I think that's a better move than acquire for them or for Boston uh, than acquiring Craig Smith. I was about to I was about to circle back to that because Olimata, guess which side he plays? <laughs> um center. Yeah, especially in the defenseman position, actually. Yes. Yeah. He plays center defenseman. He's a yes. Um he's a center defenseman that, that leans slightly to the left side. And they acquired him for a minor league, very minor league prospect, Brad Morrison, center who is 23 years old and has played nothing higher than... Actually, no, he might have actually played in the AHL. Uh, But as far as I know, he played ECHL. And so, again, how difficult is it? And I know that Olimata has an injury history. I get it. And next year... How many players in the NHL don't have an injury history of some sort? He's got two more years on his deal, this one coming up and the year after, at four, slightly over $4 million per. Is it expensive? You just gave Grizz 3.7. Is he cheaper than what Tory would have been? Yes. All right. You, I'm just, I guess my point, and, and it's going to be the point of the show, is that there were other options and he hasn't explored any of them. Okay. Uh, well, explored... In a useful manner, no, he has not. Uh, but if you listen to his press conferences, which I avoid have avoided doing since his second year uh, in in office, um, they're kicking the tires on a lot of things. They're involved in a lot of deals, except they never happen. <laughs> Wait, they they're never, kicking tires. They kick a lot of tires, like. Uh, clearly, the toes on their shoes wear out before, like, the soles, because he must be kicking enough tires to get his leg workouts in. Uh, he doesn't even go to the gym for leg day. He just, you know, goes to a used car lot or maybe uh, the mall parking lot and jogs up and down the aisle sideways, kicking tires. Probably. Okay. Because he's not making deals. He's not making useful trades. He's sort of kind of signing people. I mean, Josh Anderson, I would prefer him to Craig Smith for the Bruins' actual needs. So, uh, I, I, I'm... You asked a question before the show. Uh-huh. Um, which team is going to be better 
the Montreal Canadiens or the Boston Bruins. Actually, I said that during the show, too. Oh, you did say that during the show. Yeah. And I don't think I actually answered the question. I don't know. I don't. Are you sure you want to answer the question? Are you going to like the answer that you give? Because. Probably not. Yeah, there you go. See, I, I think that the. As of right now, the Bruins don't have a lot of defense. Oh, they have they, Matt Grizzly. Oh, and John Moore. And Zaboro. Which gives them one out of three. I mean, yes. one out of three is a really, really good uh, batting average uh, in baseball. You know, you're hitting 333. You're you're doing you're doing something. Yeah, you're in the you're in the, the batting title. there, Sure. I, I mean, in the NHL, that looks like, you know, if you assume that Grizzly is playing 25 of those minutes a night, it means that you have someone. Uh, let me see. How shall I put it? <clears throat> less reliable in those other 35 minutes, also known as, you know, 55 or so percent of the game. 55 percent. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, at this point, it's no better than a coin flip as to which team based on who is currently signed to their rosters is better. I think the Bruins still slightly have better forwards and they have more people who have played in the system for a while and know each other. Sure. You've got Marshand and Pasternak who are going to be out uh, a little bit. uh, If the season starts on January 1st, like I said, $14 million in IR. Yeah. Um, although, in theory, Kevin Miller is actually cleared to play. <laughs> How long that remains true is anyone's guess. I but forgot about Kevin Miller. That's right. We added another defenseman. We got Kevin Miller, who hasn't played since 2000 whenever. 18. He, Thank you. He has not played in almost if – it, if, it, if, if the season starts in January – Mm-hmm. It will be almost two full years since he played his last game. Okay, then. Um, 32 years old and signed for one and a quarter, so it's not a huge um, contract. Um, but he's a right defenseman, so there's plenty of depth there, mm-hmm. or at least more depth than on the left side. Um yeah, I I have no idea what actually goes on between Sweeney's ears, and I'm somewhat afraid to find out. Oh, wait no. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got an idea. Yeah. You know how uh, Tampa Bay played seven defensemen and 11 forwards through most of the postseason? Yeah. Bruins Maybe. actually tried it one game. Maybe Don Sweeney's plan is to play four forwards and a defenseman for most of the year. Wow. Do you think that's his plan? That's going to wear out, Patrice. Four forwards and a defenseman all season. Yes, but the the fourth forward has to be somebody who 
is strong defensively. Like I said, that's going to wear out Patrice. So, you know, you bring up Trent Frederick, you've got, uh, you've got some other guys who are, who are solid defensively. Um, you can have Sean Corrali out there, uh, on a regular basis. You've got, uh, Charlie Coyle who can be out there on a regular basis. They can do it. Brad, once he's healthy, that's four guys. Yeah. Oh, hey, another left defenseman that was acquired for... Peanuts. Yeah. Colorado acquired Devin Tays from... The Islanders. The Islanders for two second-round picks. This year and next... Uh, well, next year and the year after. 21 See, that's... That, I think that's actually a reasonable hockey trade. Um, the Schmidt trade was a salary dump. Yes, for a third round, yeah, for a third round pick two years from now. Uh, yeah, that was a salary dump, Devin Tays. But still, the point being that again, it's a left defenseman. Players available. He's twenty six years old. He's an RFA, but now Colorado is negotiating with him. I just i I'd like to think that he explored an option somewhere, but I don't think he did. And that's basically been the theme of this whole show is Don Sweeney just hasn't done enough. Um, I mean, one player who we haven't heard, who I haven't seen much on mm-hmm. who plays both left and right defenseman who is currently unsigned. Um, a guy that we both, uh, at least seen good things out of, uh, in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is definitely one of those players for whom I ignore the plus minus, uh, particularly the last two seasons. Um, Sammy Vatnin. Uh, he's still available. Sammy Vatnin is unsigned, 29 years old. Um, there's been a lot of talk about kicking the tires on Jake Alsner. Um, Carl, that's when he needs that. Carl uh, Alsner from Montreal. Yeah. There was a time where both of us, I mean, he's now slightly over 30, 32. There was a time a few years ago when he went from Washington to Montreal where we both really liked him and thought that maybe the Bruins should have considered him. The problem is ever since he's been in Montreal, he has not. I don't know if he's been been garbage. I don't know if he's been garbage or if he's just not a fan favorite of Claude Julien or if one is a direct result of the other. You know, he's being garbage, and that's why Claude Julien doesn't like him. <laughs> so, I, I, and yeah, his numbers took a dive. Uh, the best thing, and, and that was the other thing we would say about him is his, it certainly wasn't his his health or, or his viability. I mean, he played five years in a row of 82 game seasons. Yeah. I mean, he's been one of the healthier defensemen uh, in the league in the past decade. But then all of a sudden, in eighteen nineteen, he goes to nine games. I don't know if that was an if there was an injury involved and just couldn't crack the lineup, or if he. I mean, they sent him down to Laval during that year. Maybe too much press in Montreal bothered got to his head. Uh, you know, good or bad. You know, too much ego, just too distracted. Uh, it's tough to say. 
but yeah, Carl Carl Alsner is uh, I I don't know. I guess he it, it'd be worth you know having a look and and see where he's at. Yeah, Alsner. Actually, uh, actually, you have to say he played eight full seasons because. He played 82, 82, 48 was, was 12, 13. The, the that, was the, that was the uh, lockout shortened season. Yep. So full, full three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Eight full seasons in a row. Basically. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily be opposed, but I think that's one of those confidence issues at this point where it's been two full seasons since he was playing regularly in the NHL. Um, and what can we, yeah, I, I, what can you reasonably expect uh, out of that? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think that anyone else knows either. As far as as far as Sammy Vatnin, what Vatnin I remember has of been him, the opposite of healthy, uh, unfortunately. I was going to say what I remember of him from like Anaheim before he moved on to New Jersey is just that he was a very offensive minded defenseman, which the Bruins need without Krug. But I mean, does he have the defensive chops? Um, that's it's hard to say because Anaheim was trending downhill when he was at his peak there. And New Jersey has been <clears throat> subpar for several years. The thing is, he's not even with the numbers he's put up. It, it, He's not a hugely offensive defensive guy. The minuses are what kill me, but then again, he's played on some not very good New Jersey Devils teams. Compost at best. And he's 29. I Yeah, let's give him a look and see. I mean, let's do something. I just this inactivity just drives me absolutely up the wall. I, I genuinely think that in some cases of GM inactivity, and I don't know that that's the case in Boston, but in some cases of low activity for general managers, what we're actually seeing is guys waiting for low-hanging fruit to fall in their laps. There, Lots of teams are worried about the cap coming down, and everyone is watching for that one or two teams who start dumping salary now so that they don't have to dump it later. Um, okay. I, I, I don't believe that that's what's going on with Sweeney, but I think that um, there's once that happens, once if it happens, once two or three teams just start, you know, opening the uh, opening the bay doors and throwing salaries out the back of the plane, um, I think that we may see some additional moves, um, and that might wait until a firmer announcement on the start of the season and what the season is going to look like, because there's probably going to be two or three more guys who decide to retire, uh, if the, t- if the teams are going to end up in a bubble, uh, or bubbles, uh, for the duration of the regular season, or even just, the first two months. Okay. Uh, there is one defenseman that, that they aren't going to be able to offer a contract to because the 
Penguins have decided to sign him, and that's Cody Cece. And the reason why I bring this up is because I found a very interesting article, but it's written by somebody on SB Nation for uh, Pittsburgh fans. Uh, and Pennsburg. I'm real, yes, Pennsburg. And I'm really hoping that this is a pen name because if it's the guy's real name, might want to change it. Hooks Orpic. Uh, it says the signing of Cody CC shows that Rutherford and the Penguins haven't learned their lesson. One step forward, one step back. We'll leave them exactly where they are now. Not a serious contender. And it's interesting because I can I I actually agree. Uh, you you made the right moves in in letting Justin Schultz and Jack Johnson go. Justin Schultz goes free agent to Washington Capitals. Uh, not the strongest defensive defenseman, more of an offensive defenseman. Yeah, Jack Johnson, hockey old. You said I believe before the show. Yeah, but they, uh, they, that was the, this is their he's their first buyout ever from the way it reads in the article. But they bought him out, let him go on his way, and replaced him with. Cody Cece. And now Cody Cece has been around a bit, played in Toronto, played in Ottawa. I just think that, yeah, Rutherford just can't seem to get out of his own way in Pittsburgh either. As much as I'm banging on about Don Sweeney and his efforts. Well, some teams are run from the front office. Yes. Some teams are run from the owner's box. <laughs> okay. Some teams are run from the locker room. And then there's the unfortunate messes where uh, teams are run by a tug of war between the locker room and the uh, owner's box. Okay, and so which one is this then? The last Ah, okay. I think that uh, from everything we've seen, Mario uh, Lemieux has been pretty heavily involved in that team uh, since he became owner. And <clears throat> given the number of times that we've heard the phrase, uh, need to find a winger for Crosby over the last 15 years. <laughs> um, Sorry, that's <laughs> it. It might barely be possible that, you know, one or two players in that locker room might as well have assistant general manager as an actual job, to, as an actual title, and be drawing a second salary. But hey, that's just my opinion. Uh, unless you brought him in there to be some kind of... and it's it, The reason, as much as I like the title and I like the fact that the Penguins are... Eh, and because obviously I'm not a huge Penguins fan... It's the way this writer, this Hooks Orpic, goes back and forth. Because he sits there and he's like, oh, the reasonable that they signed this black hole of a defender. Then a couple of paragraphs later, he goes on to say that uh, with the basics of what Rutherford says are true, because Rutherford says they signed this big, burly defenseman. It fits our system well. And Cody CC is 6210. And Berlin. then he says, yeah, never mind. And, and, you know, 
his penalty kill results are pretty decent, which is something. And, oh, they only signed him to one year, which means that they're limiting their exposure. So he starts out saying this signing is horrible, and then it almost he's almost working his – like he's almost walking it back. He's trying to talk himself before, into it. Uh, he's almost walking it back before he I, even finishes the article. I <laughs> haven't. I haven't read uh, any of Hook's uh, articles in a while, uh, but I believe the two of us follow each other on Twitter. And, um, yeah, he's uh, he's a character. Okay. I don't know him that way. I mean, I've read some of his things on here. Uh, I just found it interesting that he starts out saying it's a black hole of a player and then kind of walks it back with the, well, you know, he's decent on the penalty kill and well, he's only here for one year and it's only a million and a quarter. And I suspect like it or like it. (laughs) I suspect that hooks is one of those guys who starts off writing really, really passionately and does his fact checking as he goes along. Okay. Which would put him ahead of a lot of writers uh, since they don't seem to bother with fact-checking at all. Which is usually how you get to be a news anchor for a major media outlet. That said, um, anything else on the docket for the day? Uh, Not that I have seen. A very quick parting shot, only because I missed Tori Krug already. Uh, On on Nesson, a uh, very brief story. Tory Krug's time in Boston is over, but it appears his friendly social media feud with Brad Marchand has not yet ended. And uh, that's one of the best things for <laughs> hockey Twitter. So apparently Tory Krug uh, on Instagram sent out a picture of the two of them hugging on the ice after a goal. And, he sent out to Brad. It says, we'll be weird towering over you in a different jersey. <laughs> uh, and on that note, boys and girls, I believe we've covered everything. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you know how to find us, where to find us and when to find us. Uh, so do so and share with those friends, coworkers, uh, random strangers you meet on the street. Have an awesome week. We'll be back.